Well, if you'd make a self-directed IRA, the assumption is that you know the risks involved. And you can do things which are extremely annoying to accountants, like put livestock in these things. So just think, how is this annoying? Well, just think when your livestock have offspring, is that a dividend? Uh, what is that? How do you, is that appreciation? Uh, you can see where accounting can get kind of funny. So just know that your record keeping is going to get more complicated if you do things like put gold and silver directly into your IRA. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, aspirationally, boys and girls. Uh, welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure. On the line with me, I have... Jeff McClure. Uh, together, we are bald. Oh, together, we are the Personal Wealth Coach and, and bald. I'm glad you got that straight. Yes, we have to establish, this is full disclosure, you guys need to have uh, total knowledge of the fact that there are two bald men with beards talking to you at the moment. This podcast is called The Personal Wealth Coach, and that's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas. Now, the fact that it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC approves or disapproves of anything, neither, neither does the secretary, whoever the secretary is, and this tape will destruct after it's listened to the you dated yourself this tape will destruct your podcast tape is about to self-destruct that's why you can't find the tape in it anymore <laughs> it already has self-destructed because it's too old and uh, the information that we do present in this podcast we get from sources we think are very reliable but we don't make any guarantees as to the completeness or the accuracy of that reliability or anything else we just do the best we can the information that we're providing during this podcast is not considered investment advice. This information is educational because investment advice means that we know exactly who's listening and we can custom tailor all of our advice to them. So prepare to be educated. Well, we've got a question. Uh, our inquisitor, John, has sent us a question uh, and he says, there's a lot of ads lately, his subject line is IRA rules. There's a lot of ads lately about adding precious metals to an IRA. Is this a recent rule change? Not going to do it, just wondering. Quick answer to that, there's something called a self-directed IRA that you can put a bunch of weird stuff into, but there are record-keeping issues that you have to keep in mind as you do it. Uh, for instance, there's some things that you can put into a self-directed IRA that isn't part of your normal traditional IRA. Normal traditional IRA, you put money in it. You don't pay taxes on the money that you put in because you've deducted it. If it's non-deductible, then you paid it and it went in. There's a limit on how much value you can put in. For 2021, if you're under 50, you can put in 6,000. If you're over 50, you can put in 7,000, age discrimination writ large. So you can put, if you have earned income, that means you have to have a job. So what can you put in a self-directed IRA and why is that different than another IRA? Most IRAs uh, are managed very carefully and have rules on what can go into them based on uh, some pretty good laws that were written over the years, including the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, 
uh, IRAs are more protected for the public against salespeople than, than some of the other accounts. They're not as protected as like a 401k, but they're fairly protected. They say, all right, this is retirement money. Don't go crazy with it. Well, if you'd make a self-directed IRA, the assumption is that you know the risks involved. And you can do things which are extremely annoying to accountants, like put livestock in these things. So just think, how is this annoying? Well, just think when your livestock have offspring, is that a dividend? Uh, what is that? How do you, is that appreciation? Uh, you can see where accounting can get kind of funny. So just know that your record keeping is going to get more complicated if you do things like put gold and silver directly into your IRA. I actually encountered a person once who put gold in their IRA. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen gold in IRAs and wait a minute, hang on, livestock. Hang on. Yeah, go ahead. But still had possession of the gold. Yeah. And that means it really didn't go into the IRA. Uh, in order to have anything in an IRA, the IRA must be held by a qualified custodian. That's correct. And that's like a bank, a trust company, a credit union, or a brokerage firm. And the custodian has to agree, yes, we will physically take possession of the gold and we'll hold it for you uh, until you take it out and then you'll pay taxes on it. So um, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit complicated. Right. So you would have to like have a company, a livestock company that's willing to hold Cows. the livestock for the custodial company. It gets complicated is, there. We've, and, yeah. and I thought that's where you were going with this. Cause I've also met people that have cattle running on their ranch that they say are in their, IRA, well, and I say, well, who's the custodian? And they say, well, I am. No, no, that's not how it works. You got some problems. Um, So it gets difficult and people talk about it. Part of the reason why you hear the advertisements for it isn't, I mean, one thing is nice because they can sell gold and the people that sell gold make money by the markup on the gold from what they bought it for and what they sell it for. So there's profit there. The second thing is that the custodian for a self-directed IRA can charge you a lot more money for that IRA annually than uh, a custodian for a normal IRA or Roth IRA Mm -hmm. Um, in that there's limitations on what can go in there. But they've got to audit what's in their custody, including livestock, including gold, which is part of the reason why you can't hang on to it in your hand if it's in your IRA. Including real estate. Now, people have put real estate in their IRA, but it has to be appraised. The appraisal has to be updated. It, it, people have done it, but let me simply say it's very expensive and very cumbersome to do. Um, if you're willing to spend a lot of extra time doing it, it can be worthwhile to do. It can be right for someone who's willing to take the time to manage it properly, but it is intensive. And there, I'll give you an example of someone who did it really, really well. Peter Thiel, the co-founder of PayPal with Elon Musk now has multiple billions of dollars in his Roth IRA. How would he do that? At the time, there was a maximum amount you could put in per year of $2,000. How did he go from $2,000 a year to billions with a B in his Roth? And the answer is he had a self-directed Roth. He said, I'm in finance already. I'm doing this finance stuff anyway. I can manage it myself. So I'm going to put the shares of my company, PayPal, in my Roth IRA, 
when the shares have no value. We're starting this up, no value, putting it in my Roth IRA, self-directed Roth IRA. And then years later, uh, eBay bought PayPal for him. The proceeds went into his Roth IRA. Now he's got hundreds of millions in there. And he started an investment portfolio inside his Roth IRA, investing in thises and thats. And now it's worth billions of dollars. That was a self-directed, but it was a complicated set of things to do. It's not easy to do. And of course, members of Congress are very upset and want to pass a law to make what he did illegal in retroactively, which they can't. Yeah. Why are they upset? They're upset because he said, oh, looky here. Here is the law. I'm going to follow it precisely the way Congress passed it. I'm going to do it. And it worked out really well for me. So Congress says, no, that's evil. Let's you, change it. You did better than everyone else. So um, this is a Chinese concept, actually. Uh, the, the, the blade of grass that sticks up highest is the one that get mowed, gets mown. Um, that is not how we treat innovation in the United States. And as much as Congress wants to get rid of Roth IRAs, th- this is one of the craziest things. I can point this out because we're talking on the subject. Congress isn't logical. Anybody that thinks it is, is I don't know, on, on some controlled substance that Congress decided illogically to control. Um, the, the Roth IRA, they're putting limits on who can contribute based on income. So if you are making more than a certain amount of money, you can't use a Roth IRA anymore. And that number is different if you're married. It's different if you're a head of household. It's different if you're married filing separately, married filing jointly, or single. All these numbers are hanging out there. Okay, I have a different number for me on my income before I can use this. So my question for Congress is why are you capping the income that can use a Roth IRA? When they put money into the Roth IRA, they're paying taxes on that money. It's not deductible. They're paying taxes on it. And so Congress says, those of you in the highest tax bracket that would be giving us the most revenue, don't do that. <laughs> I've said this before, and I'll stand by my quote. If pro is the opposite of con, then is Congress the opposite of progress? And I think there is some wisdom there. Right. And, and what I would say is that normally we would not advise somebody in the highest income tax bracket to put money in a Roth if they could, because you're going to pay taxes in the highest income bracket, and you're likely not to be in that bracket when you retire. If you're a standard citizen, you generally make more money at the peak of your profession than you do in retirement. Um, that's not true if you're a billionaire, but it's true for the vast majority of people above that income limit. So Congress is saying, no, don't pay us more taxes, please. You're not allowed to stop it or we will be mad. We will make you take the money back if you do it, which frizzles little circuits in my brain every time. I'm just like, but that's not what you're trying to accomplish, Congress. Um, And I can sort of understand it. In the future, our taxes are already set in the books by Congress to go up. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expire in 2025, so our taxes will go back, the brackets will go back up. So it might be reasonable for somebody in the top bracket today, 37%, to put money in a bracket into a Roth if they could, which they can't because they make too much money. Because in a couple of years, the taxes will be a little bit higher. It'll be up to 39.6% instead of 37%. But come on, I don't think that's what Congress was thinking when they did this. They wrote it a long time before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We have another question from John. All right. Uh, he says the Chinese, the United States has gap 
Well, it's G-A-A-P, John. Uh, General Accepted Accounted Principles. Yeah, Gap is a retail store, and we do also have that. Yeah, well, okay. Well, this we basically have a standard that the they have it in the get to... they have it in the UK too. You just have to mind right. it. You have right. to mind that gap. Okay, go ahead. Mind Sorry. the gap, right? Well, we do mind the gap in the United States, uh, and all the CPAs get together every year. Well, not all of them, but the big ones do. The ones that weigh a lot. And uh, they determine what the accounting practices are going to be because it's all a bit of a fiction. And if you've ever studied double entry bookkeeping, you'll know what I'm talking about. And But they all agree on the fiction and it's standardized, so it's generally accepted. And the government says, yeah, that's okay. That's cool. We'll go with that. So we have a standard in the United States for accounting. What is the standard he wants to know that they use in China? And the standard they use in China is what is going to produce the result that makes the Communist Party happiest? Unless... They're listed on a U.S. exchange. If they're listed on a U.S. exchange, they have to follow our rules. But very few companies are, and a lot of them have been kicked off the exchange because of not following generally accepted accounting practices. And what's happened is the Chinese government, the Communist People's Republic of China CCP. government. Uh, that was Russia. CCP? Um, no. Yeah, that's Russia. Well, maybe it is CCP, Chinese CCP. Communist Party. Yeah. Oh, it was the CCCP, which was Russia. Yeah, triple C. Anyway, the, the Chinese Communist Party of the People's Republic of China, in its infinite wisdom, has said, no, American firms are not going to audit Chinese companies in China because they would obtain state, state secrets, and we would then have to put all the accountants in prison, and that would cause everybody to be upset. So just don't bother to come over here and to account for it. Basically, the, the accounting principle that's that's dominant in china in my perception this is jeff mcclure is the swag principle it's you remember the swag less less of the s in in swag it's more like the wag uh which is well, a a, a that, wild that, donkey uh guessing i think we can say ass if we're referring to a donkey, it's an animal certainly it's an animal yes yeah, it's a scientific wild ass guess if you ever seen a wild ass and there are such things as wild asses they go crazy and do kind of weird things yeah, yeah. The swag principle is the one that uh, that works in China, which I'm is not why sure about Grand... the S though. The scientific part of it's more of like well, the wag. So go yeah. ahead. There's some evidence somewhere behind it that is cited. Um, so what, for instance, Evergrande and the other Chinese companies were rated as investment grade by Chinese accounting firms until they started to collapse. Of course, we could go back and note that uh, in 2007, some of the bonds that when the Lehman Brothers issued bonds were tri triple A rated before they suddenly were worth nothing. So, uh, our, our generally accepted accounting practices have been through the ringer the last two big recessions we had. Yeah. So, the, so the, the global uh, financial crisis, the, the Great Recession, went through the ringer not as badly as it did in the year 2000 through 2002. The whole Enron thing, if people remember that, it wasn't just Enron. It was also a little company called Arthur Anderson that doesn't exist anymore because mm -hmm. they were making up a new form of accounting practice and saying, yeah, this is a new thing, so we're going to do this. It wasn't part of Gap. So we got Gap bigger, which changed the, the earnings of the entire stock market. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you know, the, the, the article that John sent points out something that's quite true. The same methodology that was used by, Ar by Arthur Anderson and Enron to hide their debt has been used by Chinese companies. And that, that methodology, just real quick, is if, if a big company, and we'll use Enron as an example because this is what they did. 
a big company can spin off little companies or own majority interest in little companies. And those little companies can make bids on um, on equipment, manufacturing, and so on. And so they could be suppliers to Enron. Well, what Enron was doing was giving loans to company that companies that it majority owned with a balloon mortgage or a balloon note, which means that all the interest and the principal comes back in the future, but we can calculate that earning today, except that it's a loan to itself or at least majority owned by itself. But because it was a different entity, you could make that loan and say, hey, look, I've got earnings here when the reality, or take a loan from it, when the reality is you didn't have the earnings, you didn't have an interest, you can't charge yourself interest unless you're Congress. Yeah, well, I guess we could move on. Uh, Uh, Is is that what they were talking about in the article, what they were doing there? Because I have not read the article. Well, yeah, they were talking about joint ventures and partnerships and so on, hiding right. the debt there, which is which is still, by the way, acceptable under generally accepted accounting principles. Uh, it's just basically since Arthur Anderson got sued really thoroughly for doing it that way and lost, the big accounting firms don't do that much anymore. Right. Uh, and, anyway. And by lost, they lost everything. Yeah. Well, most everything. Welcome back to The Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure, and on with me is... Jeff McClure. You go He's ahead. wearing a kilt, by the way. Just, can you can you hear my kilt? Uh, yeah, I hear a swishing sound. Is that what the... Oh, the, yeah. The, the kilt? It's my kilt. Right. Oh, yes. He's wearing a kilt. I'll be wearing a kilt later today. I just don't like to sit on a chair for two hours while wearing a kilt. For, for good reason. Well, we've got some things to talk about to close out this hour. We've got another hour coming up. Do you mind if I jump into the spinoff? Could I add one more thing about inflation? Sure, absolutely. There's something called the 10-year break-even inflation rate, which is the difference between TIPS, which is Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, and regular treasuries. And it rose to 2.76% on Friday. That's the highest level since boom 2006, when we didn't have runaway inflation afterwards. Um yeah, can so I give the 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 formula for it? You can go to the to the Fred for this. That's uh, the Federal Reserve of St. Louis. Um, it, it is uh, the ten year constant maturity securities. That's basically ten year ten year uh, bonds for U.S. government versus the ten year Treasury inflation indexed constant maturity. So the difference between the two is what the market expects inflation to be over the next ten years. So go ahead. So 2.76%. Now, to most people, I think 2.76% is not too scary. It was 2.5. It jumped to 2.76. By the way, the fact that the market is expecting 2.76% doesn't mean we're going to get 2.76%. Because at the, at the depths of the, uh, of the pandemic drop, uh, the market expected for the next 10 years that we would have inflation of 0.5%. Right, right. The reason I want to point this out is, again, there is a lot of panic. I've heard people talking about their fear of inflation, that the inflation is going to run away. It's not transitory. It's going to be terrible. Uh, Gonna, in front of a number about the future, which has to do with investing, 
is a deadly word. That means gonna really means it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. Uh, Yogi Berra's quote is my favorite on the subject. The future is just not what it used to be. You got that. But even the gonna figure of 2.76% is only 2.76%. What I just wanted to close out before Jake switch over, switches subject here. We continue to say and believe that transitory may not be the right word, but this burst of inflation is temporary and cannot sustain itself. Now, if our if we become convinced we're going to have inflation and we insist on higher wages and we insist that prices must go up and we collectively as a nation get to believe that strongly enough, prices will probably go up. That's why we're trying to counter it by saying no Cars and truck, used cars and trucks are not going to go up 26% a year into the future. And food is not going to go up by 12% a year into the future. Yes. If you would like to talk to us off the air for specific advice rather than educational contents, we actually give advice to people of high net worth. We manage portfolios for them. And if you would like to talk to us, we have voicemail waiting locally during the weekend, real live people during the week at 254 254- 947-1111. Or you can get that same line toll-free, presuming you have a landline, uh, at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletter and sign up for it. You can look at uh, or listen to recordings of our radio program going back lots of years. You can also go find those on the podcast. You can also contact us through the the form there, or email us directly at jeff or jake at tpwc.com. Until next hour, thanks for listening to The Personal Wealth Coach.